We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com podcast. I am Trevor Lane. You can find me over on X at Trevor underscore Lane on Instagram and threads at Trevor Lane NBA. The countdown, it continues. We are almost there today as I'm recording this. By the way, welcome in those of you joining me live over on YouTube, on X, on Facebook, wherever you're coming in from. Welcome. If you're on YouTube, do me a favor, hit that like button. Real quick, great way to help get the show out there. Um, as far as where we're at right now, as I'm recording this, 17 days. That's what the countdown is at. That's right. I posted the Andrew Bynum versus Shaq clip earlier today over to my X timeline. Still getting used to say an X, but posted that earlier today, that Andrew Bynum spin and dunk on Shaq after he got ooh, viciously thrown to the ground by Shaquille O'Neal and then Shaq threw the elbow at him. Put that one up. Over on X earlier today. Tomorrow, well, we know what's coming. Podcast listeners, it's today for those of you listening after the fact. But um, 16, you know, it's going to be our guy, Pau Gasol. But nonetheless, the countdown is on. We are here two weeks plus, two and a half weeks, till we've got Lakers preseason action. And before then, of course, we're going to have media day. We're going to have everything going on with um, training camp, all of that stuff to get into exciting time basketball it's almost back baseball also heating up by the way you guys should make sure you check out our sister site dodgerblue.com check out their youtube channel podcast as well dodger heads make sure you guys go give them a look they're doing some fantastic work as well all right let's talk some lakers basketball and before i get into my topics for today which I've got a few. I want to talk a little bit about just conceptually what the Lakers have changed about their team building, um, the way that they've put their team together. I want to talk a little bit about uh, about Jared Vanderbilt and some things that he said recently about what it means to be a Laker and why he may be part of their long-term, not just this year, not next year, but their long, long-term future. But before I get to any of that, Sometimes I can feel like we're stuck in a time loop. Sometimes we get topics that just keep coming up over and over and over again. 
Buddy Healed. <laughs> He's back. He's back on the market. Buddy Healed back on the market. Shams Charania of the Athletic announcing that Buddy Healed and the Pacers were not able to come to terms on a contract extension, and they're now going to look to potentially trade him. Instantly, of course, the eyeball emojis start popping up all over X slash Twitter. The, the platform formerly known as Twitter start popping up. I'm getting tagged in all of these posts. I guess they're not tweets anymore, right? All of this happens. Yes, as TK says, cue the Thanos meme. Yep, Buddy Healed is inevitable. Um, it's not happening. It's not the only reason why I want to address this is hopefully to only have to do it this one time. It's not happening. It's not happening. And I know, I know Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. I said their name so many times last summer and it almost happened. It really did. It almost happened. There was at one point, there was one night where I went to bed that night thinking, all right, so in the morning, tomorrow, I'm covering Buddy Heald and Miles Turner to the Lakers. Because that's, that's from what we were hearing, like that's how close it was that it was, we thought it was done. It was, it was going to happen. And then it didn't, didn't go down, right? Uh, season before that, it was Buddy Heald to the Lakers. And then last minute, suddenly it was, nope, Russell Westbrook instead. Yikes. Yikes. I understand there's that one that got away sense here with buddy healed right and so whenever his name pops up instantly it's, oh go get him the lakers need shooters buddy's a good shooter he is a he is a good shooter but here's the problem here's the problem number one i i think the lakers are pretty confident in what they've got at the at the two guard position i'd have to think they would have put up more of a fight if they really wanted shooting at the two to keep malik beasley or keep lonnie walker who both shot well, Beasley didn't shoot great as a Laker, but uh, Lonnie Walker shot well at the two. I think they're comfortable with what they've got there. And logistically, it, it can't happen. It just can't. The, the Lakers, when you look at the pieces they would have to trade in order to make it happen, it doesn't make any sense. Now, if we're talking post-December 15th, okay, maybe that's a different story. But if the Pacers want to move Buddy Heald right now, yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Here's the problem. Right now, anybody who signed a contract over the summer is not trade eligible. So here's spot track. I'll zoom in on that. So just look at the list here. Buddy Heald, by the way, making about $20 million, right? LeBron, I guess technically he's trade eligible, but you not trade him. Anthony Davis just signed an extension. D'Angelo Russell signed a new deal. Rui Hachimura signed a new deal. Austin Reeves signed a new deal. Gabe Vincent signed a new deal. Jared Vanderbilt just signed an extension. Torian Prince signed a new deal. JHS is tradable. Christian Wood signed a new deal. Jackson Hayes signed a new deal. Cam Reddish signed a new deal. Max Christie is trade eligible. It can't happen. The math doesn't work. The math does not work. As SW says in the chat, the math ain't mathing. Even if the Lakers, for whatever reason, said, we need to go get Buddy healed right now, this is the piece we need. They can't do it. They can't do it. Okay. So, and again, this is not, I know a lot of people in the chat are, are rolling their eyes, right? Matt says, how about we just 
try all these great pieces we have before thinking of the next shiny object, Matt. I agree 100%. That's why I'm saying I just want to address this the one time because I know people are going to ask. The question's going to come up because he's been connected to the Lakers for so long. Oh, should the Lakers just go and get him? They, they logistically can't right now. Post-December 15th, in theory, because I'm seeing so many people say, oh, just trade D'Lo for Buddy Hill. First of all, I wouldn't make that trade. I would rather have D'Lo. But, but they can't do that right now, even if they wanted to, even if they wanted to. Post-December 15th, they could potentially, but it sounds like the Pacers want to move on right now. So, again, just wanted to address that. And because uh, I know, I know it was coming. I know it was coming. I knew people were going to want to talk about it. Buddy Heald being back on the market, but it's impossible for the Lakers to trade for him right now. Um, unless they want to do some crazy trade with LeBron or something. Um, and I, I don't think the need is there like it was in the past for Buddy. He's a good player. I like him. Who knows? Maybe it's somewhere down the road. He'll finally wind up with the Lakers. But yes, he's on the trade market. Don't see it happening. Don't see it happening. Okay. Let's get into a few other, other topics before I talk a little bit about the, um, the team's roster building strategies and all that sort of stuff. Let's get into a few of your super chats. Oh, whoa. Blast from the past. Alex Amerling says, buddy is the new Marcus Banks. Oh, remember that back in the day when the Lakers thought they had, they thought they had Marcus Banks in that deal with the Celtics. That was, um, is that the Chris Mim trade? Oh, man. And then they wound up uh, not getting him. So things got kind of messy. And I was like, 2004? And uh, I think they got Jermaine Jones instead. But yeah, kind of the new the new Marcus Banks. Uh, James Bell said, this is Lakers Nation. It's going to happen again. It's, as soon as that post went out from Shams saying that Buddy Heald was now on the trade block. Like, oh no, it's, it's happening again. We're going to have to talk about it. We're going to have to talk about it. Uh, Alex also threw in so excited. This is with a super chat. Appreciate that said um, it's all it's so excited about extending Vando. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about Jared Vanderbilt a little bit. It's a good place to, to jump to. It's actually my first topic that I wanted to get into. Jared Vanderbilt. So he had this to say recently um, on the Run Your Race podcast, talking about being a Laker. Remember, he just signed his Lakers extension, four years, $48 million. Um, That's a below MLE deal. Fourth year, though, is a player option. Vando says their fan base is like no other fan base. Well, thank you, Vando. It's so kind of you. Everywhere you go, it's just like a movie. Like it really is. There's just no other way to put it. Obviously, the lights are brighter and you're on TV every game. Like in Utah, we maybe had only a couple of TV games and now you're playing every night on the biggest stage. So I would say it's just night and day coming from Utah. And the approach was different too because we were competing. We went from like we weren't really ready, try, really trying to win at that point, maybe a little bit, but we weren't pushing winning. And now, it was like championship or bust. The whole approach changed and we didn't have any time to waste when we got traded because we were already in the hole. We got straight to it, but playing for the Lakers is definitely like no other fan base for sure. 
I loved what he said here because a lot of players won't admit that. You know what I mean? Like they, they're not going to throw out there that, yeah, we weren't really trying to win in, in Utah. Like Utah, clearly they've got priorities for the future. I actually think they might be kind of dangerous this year. Now that they've got John Collins as well, but uh, not that they're like a, a serious contending team, but just, they could beat you on any random Wednesday night. They were the one seed for a little bit last season, actually, when they came out shooting just red hot uh, for a while there, but, Utah clearly organizationally, they weren't trying necessarily to win, especially when they made the trade they did with the Lakers. They traded away Vando, they traded away uh, Beasley, and they and they take in Russell Westbrook, even though they weren't planning on ever playing him, and, and all of that stuff happened. So Jared Vanderbilt goes from a Utah Jazz team who organizationally is saying, Hey, our time to really make a push here is a couple years from now couple of years from now, Walker Kessler will be a little bit older at that point. We'll see what Keontae George has. Lowry Markkinen will still be around. Now we're adding John Collins into the mix. They didn't know it at the time, but, um, and we're going to figure out kind of the guard positions and, and go from there. Um, all of that, you know, is happening in, in Utah. And of course they trade away Mike Conley as well. It was pretty clear that organizationally Utah was not trying to win. Now players, when they're on the floor, they're, they're going to try to win. Right. But, it's a little different. It's a little different when you're going out there and that carrot is in front of you of we can make the postseason right now. We can make the all we got to do is push and we've got LeBron and AD and we can potentially win a championship. So let's go. So let's go. Let's go win a championship. We can do that. That is within the realm of possibility. Couldn't say the same thing in Utah. And here's Vando saying yeah, they weren't really pushing to win in Utah. That trickle down from the organization was was clear and then he gets to the lakers and it's a completely different feeling and i bring this up because that desperation that the lakers felt the new lakers and the old lakers combined post trade deadline i don't think you can expect the lakers to play with that desperation all season long I don't think that's possible I don't think it's possible you can't sprint your entire season you just can't do it in fact i think the lakers come postseason eventually when they got to the Western conference finals, they ran out of gas. And I think part of that was they started sprinting after the Ulster break. They had to, they didn't have a choice, but it did catch up to them. Um, Vando though talks about this, this mentality they had championship or bust. And so what you want to see from the Lakers this season is you want to see the preservation of that mentality. You want to see them still championship or bust. This is the Lakers. LeBron James is on this team. Anthony Davis is on this team. They've got a deep team. They can potentially win a championship this year. So that mentality, that focus needs to be there, even if you can't necessarily sprint the entire season. You just can't. And that's why I think it's it's a mistake if you just take the Lakers post-All-Star break or post-trade deadline record and extrapolate that over, over an entire season and just say, oh, see, look, this is the, the one seed in the Western Conference. Because clearly, once they had their guys, once they had D'Lo, they had Vando, they had all these players they brought in, then they became this juggernaut, and they're just going to keep doing the same thing. I don't think they can push down that hard on the gas pedal the entire 82-game season. But what you do want to see is what Vando's talking about, that locked-in focus for the, the stretch of the season on the playoffs, even if you don't see them scrambling at a full sprint the entire time. The other thing that I want to get into, um, 
Oh, people asking when training camp and all that starts. Training camp is going to start up, I believe it's uh, October 3rd. Media day is October 2nd uh, for most teams in the NBA. It is. So there's going to have a lot of stuff, that, a lot of stuff that we're going to have coming out on media day. Other thing that I want to get into tonight before I just turn this over strictly to fan questions and all of that coming into the chat, um, I also want to talk a little bit about the Lakers and their roster building strategy, which those of you guys who've been listening to the show have been watching the show for a while. You know, that's my thing. Like with Sean, it's, it's the X's and O's, right? He really gets into all that kind of stuff with Ron Gutterman loves team building kind of like I do. Um, Matt, the optimist Peralta loves relationship analogies. He's also a great analyst, but he loves relationship analogies. Uh, like Chris masters, whenever I'm talking with him, he's just like the heartbeat of the fan, right? He's going to approach things from, from that perspective at all, at all times. Um, great guy, but, um, we all look at things from a different perspective. Mark, Mark Donald's takes a kind of more of a betting perspective on things. He's looking at things from that angle for me, it's how they build the roster. And so I do want to talk about that in just a moment, but, uh, let me talk real quick on this question. Peanut butter badger, the $5 super chat said, what do you think the death lineup should be? If the Lakers decide to have one, I'm thinking maybe Austin Reeves, Vando, LeBron, Woods or Rui AD. So I, I think the nice thing about the Lakers this year is it's good. Well, it's good and bad. It's good and bad. I don't think they're going to have a death lineup. I don't think they're going to see. Here's the thing. This Lakers team, I think has so many different ways that you can play it. There's so much, there's so many options for Darvin Ham to choose from. It is the, um, it's that that's going to allow them to sort of mix and match. The Lakers kind of have a cheesecake factory of a lineup. What do you feel like tonight? Okay, you can get pretty much anything there, right? You need to go big? You can do that. You need to go small? You can do that. Want to go with more shooters? You can do that. Want to go defense heavy? You can do that. You can mix and match all these different pieces, put it together whichever way you want. And I like, I like that for the Lakers. And I think it means that you're not going to see like the Golden State Warriors, right? Who for years, they had their, their death lineup. That's where it comes from. Their death lineup. Every night, you knew they're closing the game out with essentially the same five guys. They're going to put those guys out there. That's not what the Lakers, I think, are going to have this year. And that's because you've got so much depth on this roster. You've got LeBron. You've got AD. Clearly, they're in. Clearly, they're in. LeBron and AD, they're going to be in. Austin Reeves. He's going to be in the other two spots though. There's so many different guys that you can mix and match in there. There's not a clear pecking order because you've got, again, so much depth. Does Rui make more sense? Does Vando and some of this will play out during training camp. Some of this will play out early in the season, but Rui Vando, Christian Wood, D'Lo, Gabe Vincent. Is it Max Christie? Right. I mean, we don't know, right? Torian Prince, Cam Reddish, all of these guys could get into the mix and more. So Darvin Ham, for better or for worse, and I tend to lean this is for better, but Darvin Ham is going to have a lot of different options to choose between. And on any given night, he can mix and match and pick the right players for the task in front of him. He's got all these different arrows in his quiver, all these different tools in the toolbox that he can use to address the challenge that's being presented by the team they're playing that given night. I don't expect to see a, a given 
five-man death lineup that we just see night in, night out, hell or high water, these five players play. I don't think this Lakers team is really set up that way. Now, the downside to that, the downside to having that kind of flexibility is that Darvin Ham has to make that decision every single night. Every night, right? If you're Steve Kerr and you're the Warriors, you just go, oh, death lineup, get in there. That's easy. And everybody knows what's going to happen and you've got that consistency and that continuity. If you're Darvin Ham, though, every night, you don't have that consistency because every night, Darvin is going to make that decision. He's going to say, okay, well, this guy's having a good game, so he's going to play. There isn't that built-in rhythm that you accumulate over the season. And might sometimes Darvin make the wrong decision. Yeah. Heck, look what he did in game one against the Denver Nuggets. Started small as though he was still playing the Golden State Warriors. Yikes. Could Darvin make the wrong decision with the closing lineup? Sure. That's possible. That's part of the downside of not having a locked in every single night. This is your closing lineup. Not having that on your team. That's the downside. But again, the upside is you can mix and match and respond to the threat that the opposing team is presenting. Mamba Mentality said, the endless arms lineup, Braun, Prince, Rui, AD, and Wood. That is the endless arms lineup. Um, yeah. It, it's funny, though. A lot of people don't realize D'Lo has a crazy wingspan. It, he's 6'4", and I believe his wingspan is 6'10". And people, it, people don't believe it because we tend to think, oh, if you have long arms, automatically you're a great defender, right? Because you've got super long arms. You can do, you know, you can block all these shots. You can play passing lanes, all that. D'Lo has those super long arms. He's just not the quickest guy, but he's got super long arms too. So he could potentially be in the mix there. But that is an interesting lineup. Um, the only problem is what do you, what happens if you have to chase guards or whatever? But sure, if you're playing a big team, yeah, the endless arms lineup. I like it. I like it. Uh, Senpai said, haven't talked about it much, but Darwin has a lot to prove this season. He's largely the reason we lost against Denver. Need to see him do good things this regular season. Yeah, so when I look at Darvin Ham and I look at last season, I really take the first, what, three quarters of the season, 75% of the season, all the way up until the trade deadline, and you can just kind of write it off, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you guys in a minute the opening night lineup for last year. It's almost like a bad dream when you look at it. But you look at the team that Darvin had last year and you take that first three quarters of the season. And you can just kind of go, well, that's not a real NBA roster. What? No, Phil Jackson can have that team. They're not winning. They're not winning, right? So we saw a little bit more of what Darvin Ham is as a coach, who he is as a coach, I think in the final quarter of the season, final 25%. And then in the playoffs, some good, some bad, Right. I thought he made good adjustments against Memphis. I thought that that he was pretty good in that series. Golden State obviously made some good decisions. Some questionable, but made some pretty good decisions there. Against Denver, yeesh. Again, I think got off to a terrible start by going small, which made no sense in game one. And then could never fix it. Could never really put the, the genie back into the bottle at that point. Have done. So there's been good and bad. But I think we're going to find out a lot more of 
Who is Darvin as a coach? I think that we saw improvements from him, particularly once he, even once he had a roster that made sense, I think we saw improvements from him as time went on. My, one of my big criticisms of him has been the way he uses timeouts. I felt like he was a little too reluctant to bail the team out uh, with timeouts. I thought, he's not Phil Jackson. This isn't the teams Phil Jackson had. And he was letting them go and letting opposing teams go on runs longer than I was comfortable with. I felt like he should have been a little bit more aggressive with his timeout usage. Sometimes it worked out for him, though. Sometimes I was, you know, we're on playback. We're doing the play-by-play. And I was saying... And Darvin probably need to call a timeout here. And then the Lakers would get a stop. They would go down and score. They would reverse the momentum. Sometimes it worked out for him. But in general, that was something that I wanted to see improvement with from him. I think in terms of his rosters, the the lineups that he's putting out there, the rotations, um, I can only imagine the reaction that we're going to have the first time that we see a D'Lo, Gabe Vincent, Austin Reeves lineup on the floor. Now, that, that actually probably will work Okay, um, the D'Lo, Dennis, Austin lineup actually worked fairly well, especially when you look at the advanced stats. We just all remember the Russell Westbrook, uh, Patrick Beverly, Dennis Schroeder lineups that did not work at all. And so we are reminded of those. And so we have that kind of, you know, nauseating feeling anytime that we see three guards on the floor. But we're going to see it. I'm sure at some point the Lakers have all the wing depth in the world. And somehow we're still going to see a three, maybe four guard lineup. Something like that's going to happen at some point, you know, that's coming, but I am really curious to see what Darvin's got here because now to kind of land my plane here. Now there's no excuses. That's what I think of when I look at this roster, I think, okay, he's got everything he needs. Darvin Ham has everything he needs to win on this team right now. So there's no, there's no, well, this lineup doesn't make sense or our guys are hurt or whatever. And we'll, fingers crossed. Hopefully we don't see injuries. But you look at this lineup on paper, it makes sense. On paper, there's enough talent. There's enough decision-making flexibility that the coaching staff can pick their path. And as long as they pick the right one, I think this team can win. This team can win a lot. So now we're going to find out. Now we're going to find out what Darvin is really made of. He's been given all the weapons he needs. Now can he get the job done? Can he get the job done? Um, oh, somebody with the username butt kicker said, don't think Ham was looking for excuses. No, I don't think he necessarily was either. I'm not trying to say that Darvin Ham was looking for excuses, but saying that when you were watching the season and you were, and people were questioning, is Darvin a good coach or not? You could say, well, I mean, I wouldn't have put that lineup on the floor, but what else was he going to do? What else was he going to put out there? That's not there anymore. That's not there anymore. If you see a four guard lineup out there and Vando and Rui and Torian Prince and Cam Reddish and all these other wings are sitting there on the bench. Can't say much, right? So that's, that's what I'm getting at. Not that Darwin himself was trying to make excuses for the play earlier in the season. All right. Take a look at this. Take a look at this. This is... Um, this is the Lakers starting lineup two seasons ago. This is game one. This is game one two seasons ago. 
Look at this team. Look at this team. And I, I'm pointing this out because I want to take a moment and think about how far this organization has come in terms of their decision-making. Look at this team. Starting five, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Kent Bazemore, DeAndre Jordan. Reserves, Carmelo Anthony, Rajon Rondo, Malik Monk, Dwight Howard. By the way, it sounded like Dwight's going to sign with the Warriors. That sound, seems like it's coming. Avery Bradley, Siku Dumboya, and who's that down at the bottom there? The my, that my ugly mug is cutting off there. Austin Reeves, there he is. There's Austin. Did not play. That's game one. The Lakers opened the season with that team. Remember, Avery Bradley joined the team like a few days before as the 15th man. Yeah, because Frank Vogel looked at his team, got them into training camp and went, oh my gosh, we can't defend anybody. Avery Bradley, come help us and give us some defense. Um, that was the roster. That's post-Russell post Russell Westbrook trade. Remember, the Lakers at that point made the decision, we're going to build around three stars and everybody else is going to be a veteran minimum. Everybody minimum is going to be a minimum. Okay. That was pretty gross. This is last year. This is like, this is the team that made it to the Western conference finals. This is how we started the season. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Lonnie Walker, Patrick Beverly. Wow. The bench, Kendrick Nunn, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Remember him? That shot against the Pelicans. Austin Reeves, Juan Toscano-Anderson, Wenyan Gabriel, Max Christie, Scottie Pippen Jr., Cole Swider. Max Christie, Scottie Pippen Jr., Cole Swider as rookies. Two of those guys being two-way players. They played the first night of the season for the Lakers. Tells you how the first night of the season went. Tells you how the first night of the season went. So I bring this up. One, you look at the lineup from two years ago. How many of these guys are still in the NBA? Not, not a lot. Maybe Dwight Howard's coming back. Welcome back. By the way, I hope Dwight does great, except for when he's playing the Lakers, if he's with the Warriors. But not a lot of those guys are still in the NBA, right? This last year's team, more of the same. They couldn't move Russell Westbrook just yet. They had an opportunity to, didn't do it. And so it's more of the same. It's more everybody's on minimums with the exception of Lonnie Walker, who got the taxpayer. Kendrick Nunn got the taxpayer the, the next season, right? That's where the Lakers are, were at at that point. Starting lineup, Anthony Davis is turning 30 that year. LeBron, well over 30. Russell Westbrook, well over 30. Patrick Beverly, well over 30. Monty Walker, not. That's the team the Lakers put together. Mid-season, mid-season, they shifted that around, didn't they? And look at this team now. Look at the way this team is built now. LeBron and AD are over 30. I've talked about their ages in the past. But look at the distribution of guards. You've got D'Angelo Russell, 
You've got Austin Reeves. You've got Gabe Vincent. You've got a young guy in JHS. Those are your guards. You got Max Christie, who's still a very young player. Those are your guards. Your wings. You've got LeBron, of course. You've got Rui. You've got Jared Vanderbilt, Torian Prince, Christian Wood. He's going to play some time at the five, though, too. Cam Reddish. You've got real wings. The big positions, you got AD, you got Christian Wood, and you've got Jackson Hayes. Their thought process has changed so much. Look at the salaries. Look at the salaries. Remember what I said on the first two teams? It's LeBron, it's Russ, it's AD, and everybody else is on minimums with the exception of Kendrick Nunn got like five million bucks, six million bucks. Lonnie Walker got like six million bucks. Everybody else was on minimums. Now look at the way the money is, is distributed. Delo's getting 17 million. Rui's getting 15 million. Austin's getting 12 million. Gabe Vincent, 10.5. Vando, five, going up next year to almost 11, right? That salary goes up. Torian Prince, 4.5. Then you get into the minimums. It's no wonder why the Lakers have the depth now because they were able to pay for it. They've changed their entire mentality, and it's so night and day when you look at this. When you look at the roster and you compare to where we were this time last year, we compare to where we were two years ago, and you look at those rosters and you look back now and you go, oh my gosh, what am I looking at? And you look at this team now, and I can say this, the Lakers, they messed up. Right with the Russell Westbrook trade, that was a mistake. I, I think it's probably one of the worst trades in NBA history. It derailed the franchise for a season and a half. Unfortunately, the worst part of it, worst part of it, you wasted a season and a half of LeBron's career. Yeah, it's terrible. You paid Russell Westbrook forty-seven million dollars for two seasons, but he's not giving you that kind of production. I think the whole Russ thing works very differently if Russ is on a cheaper contract and then you can actually, you know, you can use your mid-level exception. You can get players that are on slightly bigger deals. You're not just minimum guys. That, that whole situation looks a lot different. But Russ on that contract, yeah, that, that stings, paying him that much. That stings watching the Lakers not make the playoffs. But you also essentially wasted a full season and then a half a season of LeBron's time that he's got left playing the game. That's unfortunate. That's tragic, right? So this was a very bad trade. But you know what? We make mistakes in life, don't we? It happens. We all make mistakes. We miscalculate things. That, that happens, that's happened plenty of times in my life. You think one thing's going to happen. You think a certain path is the correct one only to go down it and find out, oh, no, it is not. What matters, though, is what do you do after that? What do you do from there? Do you learn from that mistake? Do you learn from it? And clearly the answer for the Lakers was yes. And that is what, to me, is so uplifting when I look at the roster they put together now. There's no guarantee that it's going to work. There's no guarantee that the roster they've got right now is going to work, that everything, that it's going to be all sunshine and roses and all that kind of stuff all season long. I think they've got a good team on paper. I think they made had a great summer. But we don't know the future. But we can say now their process makes sense. 
the moves they made make sense. Committing to young players for their future makes sense. Extending Jared Vanderbilt, ex- giving a new deal to Austin Reeves, giving a deal to D'Lo, to Rui, to committing to these players. Makes sense. These are lessons that it took, apparently, cycling through a bunch of veteran minimum guys to learn. And it was painful. But is it nice to be able to say, well, our front office made mistakes, but they learned from them. And look at the team they put together now. And I don't think they overcorrected either. Sometimes you do something and it goes poorly and you decide, well, I'm just going to do the exact opposite of that. Right? The classic example is you're driving a car. You start to drift out of the lane one way a little bit. You jerk the wheel too hard the other way. Next thing you know, you're in trouble the other direction. I don't think the Lakers overcorrected either. I think they've got a team. It's not too young. It's not too old. That has enough depth. I like what they did. I like what they did this summer. And I think the growth in the decision-making process, or at least the experience of the last season and a half, it's very evident in the team they put together this season. Very, very cool to see. Very, very cool. Again, no guarantees that it works because you never know in sports. But on paper, it's a good summer. It's a good summer for these Lakers. And on paper, I really like this team that they've got. And I can't wait. I can't wait to see them out there on the floor. Um, One of the things that I do want to get into on a future show too, though, is where the weaknesses of this roster so that's coming, just kind of a little teaser. That's going to be coming. I may do that for um, tomorrow's show, where if things go wrong, where could they go wrong? Kind of get into some of that kind of stuff. So just be prepared for that. But buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you will have. Personally, I'm the shopper, right? I look around a lot of different places trying to make sure I'm getting the best deal, particularly when it's a bigger purchase, which, well, tickets to a sporting event, they usually are. So I shop around to a lot of different places. So game time takes away my stress when I'm shopping for tickets because they offer a lowest price guarantee, which is absolutely phenomenal. So it's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect. No surprises. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds. And because of that game time guarantee, you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time credits you 110% of the difference. Think about that. That's how convinced game time is that they will offer you the lowest price. They offer that guarantee. That way you can buy with confidence and avoid that stress. The tickets get sent directly to your phone. So you don't have to dig through your email or anything like that. You get them right to your phone. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time, download the game time app, create an account and use the code Lakers nation for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again, create an account and redeem code Lakers nation for $20 off download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I do want to spend the last 10 minutes here or so of the show and just get into the chat. 
So chat, what do you have for me? What do you guys want to talk about here? What do you want to get into? What are some of your topics? You guys let me rant a little bit about the roster build, the construction, the philosophy, the way the Lakers approach things, the difference uh, between these teams. Talked a little bit about Vando and him recognizing the difference being a Laker compared to anybody else. So let's get into this. Legote said, which team is the biggest threat to the Lakers other than the Nuggets? Um, if we're looking at just the Western Conference, I think the crazy thing about the West is I could name like eight teams and make a legitimate case for all of them. Right? They all could be real threats for the Lakers in the West. I have my sleepers that I like this year, my kind of dark horse teams, which are uh, the Thunder and the Wolves are the two teams that uh, that are like my dark horse teams that I like. Uh, but I don't think they're going to make it out of the West or anything like that. I think, and, and Sean has said he doesn't believe in them. But for me, I think it's the Suns. I think that Suns team, the addition of Eric Gordon tipped the scales a, get for, a bit for me. I don't think they have quite enough depth overall. And we can look at the Lakers team with LeBron, with Russ, with AD. And we can say, well, clearly, here's a recent example. They didn't have enough depth. They tried to put a bunch of stars together and then say, whatever, we'll fill out the rest of the roster with minimums. And it was, and it didn't work out. It was catastrophic. That's possible in Phoenix. The floor is very, very low. But the difference with Phoenix is, in theory, if, and this is a big if, right? If the Suns are healthy, offensively, they should fit because they can all shoot, right? I mean, Durant, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, they can all shoot. And if there's any coach that's going to get the best out of DeAndre Aiden, it just might be Frank Vogel. Now, are they going to be a good defensive team? No. Is Frank Vogel a good offensive coach? Eh, not really his forte. But you also have a bunch of guys where your offense can be as simple as give the ball to Devin Booker, give the ball to Kevin Durant, let them create. Bradley Beal can do the same. I think they, there's ways that roster can get tripped up. By no means are they unbeatable. But that's a team that has the upside to be a real problem in the West. So when I'm looking at teams, um, that's a team that I'm keeping an eye on outside of, of course, the Denver Nuggets. Outside of them. Uh, Emilio, would you take Nerland's Noel on a non-guaranteed minimum if he wanted to? For the 15th roster spot, the key words there are non-guaranteed. And so since you threw that in, sure. If you said guaranteed, no. That's the that's the key. Because the Lakers have preserved some of their mid-level exception from the Gabe Vincent signing. And they'll be able to use that on the buyout market in March. Also having that open roster spot, that 15th roster spot, allows them a little bit more flexibility on the trade market. Look, we don't know. Uh, we don't know if... Um, like, we don't know if the Lakers are going to need a certain skill set on the trade market come December, January, February. So if the Lakers do end up needing a trade, if something doesn't click with this team, they may need to find some help on the market and having an open roster spot can assist with that. So Nerland's Noel, if he's non-guaranteed, you're not sacrificing that roster spot because in a pinch you could wave him and move on and then have that open roster spot again. So that's the, the key. You're also preserving you know, potentially that open roster spot for the buyout market if you have him non-guaranteed. So that's the key. If it's non-guaranteed, fine. I, I don't have an issue with that. 
it's not my money. That's part of it too. The Lakers would have to spend the money to bring him in. But yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I would think though, given the history between Clutch and Nerlens Noel, that might be a hurdle that, well, I mean, it's something you need to overcome. And I don't know that it's going to be. So, yeah. Uh, I know it's not possible, but wouldn't it be awesome to swap Hayes for Valanciunas, Valens, I'm assuming, here? but Pelicans, oh, Pelicans would be stupid to do that. Also, the math doesn't work. But yes, Valanciunas, I think, would be, and I'm, I, I am a fan of it. So there's a few players in the NBA where I'm probably higher on them than most. John Collins is one. Um, Valanciunas is, is another one. There's a number of guys, but Valanciunas is another one that I like a lot. I like just kind of the rugged physicality that he brings to the game. But uh, the money doesn't work. And I, I don't know. Like Valanciunas is a 20, 25 plus minute per night guy. I don't know if you're going to get that guy knowing that AD is going to play a lot of minutes at the five. Although I guess Valanciunas can shoot the three probably enough to where he's a threat out there. Maybe you could make it work. But uh, again, it just the the money doesn't work for the Lakers to go get him, uh, particularly not for a guy the Pelicans just got rid of with Hayes. That's life. Said, are we finally beating the Clippers this year? Yes. Yes. It's going to happen. I say it's going to happen. Finally. It's been too long. It's been what, since the bubble? It's ridiculous. Now, part of it is it feels like the Lakers play that game every year like it's another game or those games. And the Clippers play that like their lives depend on it. Like this is their NBA finals. I don't know. Maybe Steve Ballmer goes in the locker room all red faced screaming at them or something like that ahead of the Lakers game every time. I don't know what it is, but they play like their lives are on the line in that game. And the Lakers don't tend to match that. But I'll say that, yes, they do win that game. I also said I put it out there on uh, X today. I've, I'm saying the Lakers are beating the Nuggets opening night. I think they're going to spoil their ring ceremony and beat them. Hope I'm right. The Lakers haven't been good on opening nights in a while now, but I'm going to say they're due, and they're going to get it done. They're going to get it done. Uh, Clint said, Trevor. Are you having elite defense or you can have elite defense or elite shooting? Which one are you taking? Personally, I find defense to be more consistent and reliable. I'd probably lean the same way. Give me the elite defense, figure everything else out from there. The problem though is you're kind of toast in either direction, right? If you have a great three-point shooting team, but you can't stop anybody, ultimately you're not getting where you want to go in the postseason. Why? Because defense matters in the postseason. Um, especially in the postseason, it matters. So you can be on any, any given night if you go nuts and you have a 50% shooting night from three, but you're not getting where you want to go. If you have a good defense, a great defense, but you don't have any spacing on the offensive end, well, then you're very reliant on your great defense to turn the opponent over, get out and score in transition. We've seen Lakers teams who have relied on that before. That also is usually a tough ask you could argue that the 2020 Lakers pulled it off and won a championship with a team that was kind of along those lines, but they had enough three-point threats to where they could still get by. So, yeah, if I had to pick for one, uh, I, I think I'd take the defense, but realistically, you need you need both. You need both. 
blackmail said call a bl black namel nami said sign calling castleton uh castleton is already under contract he's on a two-way contract so the lakers could bump him up to the 15th roster spot if they wanted to but they don't have to he's on a two-way contract he can play 50 plus games i believe i have to go back and double check on the two-way rules i know it's a 90 game total for all three two-way spots but um yeah they can use colin castleton in a bunch of games if they want to so they already have him under contract don't have to bump him up to a full roster spot they could they could but they don't have to uh vani said we gotta we retire lebron six we ended the warriors winning 18 straight playoff series in the west amazing unbelievable uh, so look, LeBron's number is definitely getting retired. Not going to be six. It's going to be 23. They're going to retire 23. The reason for that is that six is already retired league-wide uh, because of Bill Russell. So it's not going to be six. They'll retire 23. Um, and hopefully that's many years from now. But yes, LeBron's jersey will eventually be retired by the Lakers. That's going to happen. That's going to happen. Josh B, rewind to the beginning of the show. So I addressed this topic, the Buddy Heald thing, at the beginning of the show. I explained why. The answer is no. Uh, let's see. We'll do a few more. And then, uh, and then we'll call it an evening here. Do I think Max Christie will be even better in training camp? Remember that the summer league was two months ago and he kept working. So will he be better than the player that he was a couple of months ago? Yeah, I mean, he's 20. So players that are 20 tend to continue growing. No, it's not always a straight line, you know, straight up. But um, that said, players continue to develop, so he should be. But, but I'd also caution, in summer league, you're not playing the best of the best. Like, it's a pretty big step up from summer league to even NBA preseason in terms of the quality of players. So it, he can be better, but the game might not look as comfortable for him, right? He looked very comfortable, I thought, getting to his spots in summer league, getting a shot off when he wanted it to. He was the guy clearly on offense that the Lakers were going to. He's, he's going to be in a different role with the team, and he's going to be playing against much higher caliber competition. So... Well, yes, I think Max Christie, just the individual basketball player, it's reasonable to assume that he's had some growth as a player from July to or the beginning of October when training camp kicks off. Um, it may not necessarily look it when you see him in preseason action. It, it may not look... Uh, he was dominating in summer league. Why is he not dominating here? Because the competition has increased so much and his role is going to be different. So keep that in mind too, where we can say, yeah, he's probably continue to improve as a basketball player that may not pop off the screen when you're watching him in preseason. If you had a chance to pick a point guard to play with AD and Braun, uh, oh, to play with AD when Braun leaves, who would it be? Tyrese Halliburton. Come on down. That'd be a lot of fun. That'd be a lot of fun. I'd like to see Tyrese Halliburton with AD, with Austin Reeves. Oh, that would be... That would be great. That would be great. What are the chances for Max to solidify the backup two-guard spot? I think they're high. 
think they're high. I think the Lakers as an organization believe in him. I think that not just what they've said, but the actions they've taken show that they believe that he can fill that role, that he can be that guy. And uh, I think he's going to have every opportunity to do so. He's going to have every opportunity to do so. Uh, I've got some people saying I would take Trey over uh, Tyrese. That's fine. Look, Trey Young's a great player. He's very, very good as well. I just, I, I think that Halliburton's passing game is on a slightly, look, Trey Young has a really good passing game. I like Halliburton's passing game a bit better. So I'm putting him ahead right now. But again, if you told me you need a guy who's going to drop 35 every single night, or he's got, not every night, but but has the ability to drop 35 any given night, of course, you're going Trey Young. Personally, I just like, I like Halliburton's game. I think it'd be a lot of fun to watch night in, night out. So I'd go with him. I totally understand why you can make an argument. For Trey, though, you can make an argument. For Tyrese, you can make an argument for a lot of guys, right? If John Morant wasn't getting in trouble, we'd probably, a lot of people would be saying Ja, right? I mean, there's, there's a number of guys that you could say. What about De'Aaron Fox? Would that be interesting, right? There's, there's a lot of guys that we could talk about there. Clint's is more defensive upside with Halliburton. Yeah. Oh, this is a good question here. Um, Matthias said, what are you expecting from Demoy Hodge? Nothing. I'm not expecting anything from Demoy Hodge um, in the season. Not expecting anything from him because he's on a two-way contract. Realist, if you're going into the season expecting your two-way players to do something for you, you've, you've messed up somewhere. Something has gone wrong. Right. If one of your two way guys is having to play a lot for you, something's gone wrong. Now, is there the rare situation where a two way player really pops and earns a bigger role? Yes, that can certainly happen. But going into the season, I'm not looking at Demoy Hodge and saying, I'm expecting him to do things for the Lakers. Do things with the South Bay, the South Bay Lakers? Yeah. What I'm looking for is great three point percentage, good defense. If he can do those two things specifically, then maybe he works his way up to the Lakers at, at some point. Remember, he, I mean, he's he literally told me this at Summer League. He patterns his game after Contavious Caldwell Pope. It's not a mistake. It's not a coincidence that he happens when he's on the floor, he happens to look like KCP. He literally has copied KCP's game. So I think that he could eventually be something for the Lakers. But going into the season, I have zero expectations for him, just like I have zero expectations for Colin Castleton. Um, who's also on two-way contract. I have zero expectations for Alex Fudge other than grow, develop in the G League. If the Lakers do call you up and give you an opportunity, great, great. But I would rather be pleasantly surprised by one of these guys showing out and earning minutes with the Lakers rather than expect something from them with with the main team, with with the, with the Lakers. I'm expecting to see them play a lot with the South Bay Lakers. And I can't wait to see um, those guys in preseason as well. That's part of, you know, preseason, you're not going to see the Stars play much. You're not going to see LeBron play a ton. You're not going to see AD play a ton. I'm okay with that. I want to see. I want to see Colin Castleton. I want to see um, Jackson Hayes. I want to see Cam Reddish. I want to see these new guys. I want to see how it all kind of mixes together. All of that. I want to get an opportunity. It's not always pretty. But I want to get a look at all those players as well, kind of the unknowns, the mysteries, the question marks. I want to see all of those guys. So that's a big part of what I'm, you know, excited about.
for preseason to get going. Kratos said, remember those games the refs cost us last season, wild times. Oh, man. Oh, man. So rough. There were, what, four games, I believe, by my count, that were that blown calls by the officials down the stretch, changed the outcome away from a Lakers win. Now, again, you had non-Lakers fans who ran around and found other clips where, you know, calls went against other teams and not the Lakers. But with the game on the line, there were four games that were directly changed by the officials, by a, a mistake made by the officials. That was rough. I hope we don't see that happen again with this Lakers team, particularly given the schedule they've got. They, I don't know that they'll be able to withstand that, um, given how difficult their schedule is this year, given how many back-to-backs they've got, how many times they're at rest disadvantage. It's going to be rough. Can't have that. Can't have that. Robert Gonzalez says it was five and four games. Yeah, I was being conservative. Um, oh, there it is. I was being conservative with four games, but I know there were there were more than that. Do I think LeBron will actually get some foul calls this season? Mm. <laughs> Based on the last couple of seasons? Doesn't seem like it, does it? He hasn't gotten a very beneficial whistle, has he? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. One of the games we got robbed on was Christian Wood, too. Yeah, Christian Wood fouled uh, LeBron. Let's see. So, like, Mike adds in, he's got an old picture of me there. But it said, yet the Lakers uh, still had the most free throw attempts compared to other teams. Come on, guys. Refs were fine. I talked about this a lot. Like, free throw attempts, 
Um, an even number of free throw attempts doesn't mean a properly officiated game. Some teams naturally are going to get more free throws than other teams. The Lakers had an offensive scheme that was directly set up to create free throws. And they have to have players who are very good at that, right? You had Austin Reeves is great at reading angles and for getting himself into spots. And same thing with Dennis Schroeder, where teams have to foul him. LeBron is going to get fouled a lot, even though he gets fouled more than he gets calls. He's going to get fouled a lot. AD is going to get fouled a lot. Their defense, even to a point of having to give up a bucket at times, was set up to not commit fouls. Right? That, that was one of the key tenets of the Lakers' defense, was to not commit fouls. So, yeah, there's going to be an advantage there when you go up against a team that doesn't drive to the basket that much, shoots a lot of jump shots, and therefore doesn't get a lot of free throw attempts, and they're terrible defensively. Of course, I'm talking about the Warriors, and their defense is bad enough to where they have to commit a lot of fouls. That's going to create a free throw discrepancy. So, I know fans of other teams, Lakers haters, will run around and say, oh, the league cheated for the Lakers. They got so many free throws and other teams didn't. And all, da, 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 da. Even free throws doesn't mean an evenly officiated game. Doesn't. Some teams get fouled more. Some teams commit more fouls. Some teams commit less fouls. That's the way that goes. All right. I'm going to wrap things up there, but I do appreciate Everybody for joining this show. We're almost here. Preseason's almost upon us. Before we know, it's going to be media day. We've got all kinds of stuff coming out then. We're also going to have, of course, training camp. Tons of stuff to cover. But I do appreciate all of you for coming in, joining the show. Make sure you hit that like button. Subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel if you haven't already. And then, of course, go follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody. See ya. And stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.